Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, everybody. An awesome episode in here for you this morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're checking it out. Operation Red Pill, Jason Spears and Christopher Dean. Awesome dudes. Very, very fun to talk with. We set out to initially talk out about the Gnostic principles within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a new term that I learned, the MCU, which I'm going to be overusing in the future here. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe displaying the good characters in the movie, the protagonists as Satan and the evil characters like Loki, Thanos, all these guys as the uh, Christian or or the uh, uh, Christ archetype, right? The divine Christ, uh, God, Jesus, all these things. Roles are reversed here. And um, it's very, very interesting the way that they bring this up and they cite multiple examples. They brought clips um, it was just a great show. Big, big props to these guys. You need to show them some love over at their channel, Operation Red Pill. Leave them five-star reviews. Give them some listens. Subscribe. Awesome, solid dudes. Coming from a Christian perspective, um, I love this kind of stuff, man. I'm, I'm really beginning to just enjoy talking with every Christian that I've talked with, um, more so than like the spiritual people. Haven't gotten the chance to talk with many Jewish people or Islamic people. I mean, everyone's nice. Everyone's pretty much nice for the most part, Uh, except for those Satanists out there. Watch out for those guys coming after me on Instagram, at least one of them. So, you know, these guys are weird, man. These guys are weird, but not these dudes that I talk with here. Fun, fun guys. And um, they were blowing my mind with something in the very beginning, Um, kind of the whole idea of like the frequency that the TV um, is is casting out information and putting spells on us. This is not new to us, but they break it down in a very, very provocative way. I was truly just, I wanted to keep going with the idea. They talk about these mirror neurons and things like this. I wanted to stick with that, but then when they moved into their subject of choice here, I was even more blown away. So I can't talk this episode up enough. Big thanks to Operation Red Pill. Again, support them, please. And while you're at it, go over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast and support me for $3. You get all of the full versions of the episodes over a hundred, I think almost 120. I should know that number off the top of my head, but I'm a bad advertiser. Awesome way to support the show. And I really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. $3 gets you all that stuff. Five and $10 tiers. If you just love me that much and the love's mutual. Okay. Um, going full time with this and it's been um it's been pretty cool you know uh can't lie but you know money's a little stressful right now so if you see it fit and you get some value out of the show hey i'm not gonna kick you out of the car if you throw me three dollars you know what i mean um also uh dangerousworldstore.com 
buy the t-shirts over there if you like any of those. Free shipping because it takes me quite some time to get some of these shirts out. Uh, bad advertisement, I know, but it's the truth. It's why I do free shipping. I'm a one-man show. Sometimes they take too long, and I'm embarrassed, but I'm working on that as well. So I will keep you guys updated when I'm more on top of the store. Um, so if you don't order through that, I totally understand right now. But best way to support the show is Patreon. So I'm not going to drag this intro out. This is a longer episode. Going to give you about an hour over on Patreon for this one. And this is really when we continue to go into the MCU, as it's referred to. See, I told you I was going to drop this a couple times. Um, fun stuff, though. I cannot thank Operation Red Pill enough. Big thanks to Christopher for reaching out. Big thanks to James, who I believe was the one that introduced Christopher to the show. And Christopher has become a Patreon supporter because he respects the hustle. Okay? So go show these guys some love. Operation Red Pill. Let's roll into the Gnostic principles within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. Enjoy it. All right, everybody. Pretty damn excited to get into this next episode here. Got a couple great dudes from Operation Red Pill. Got Jason Spears and Christopher Dean. Great last name. Um, I'm curious, too. Did you leave me this? It was a negative review with five stars. And I, I could tell right away that it was sarcastic. Because it said that the host sucked, but the visuals were great. And I don't have any visuals. Yes, that was absolutely me. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it's like unintelligible host, but the visuals yeah. are great. I was like, right. oh, I don't have visuals. <laughs> um, no, man, you guys are, are, I mean, we've talked for a little bit and you've uh, really made me feel special here. You've said a lot of kind things already. I wish we were recording when you said all of them because it makes me just, I mean, seem like bigger than I am. It was pretty great. I, I appreciate you guys. Um what are you guys up to with your show, Operation Red Pill? And what do you guys do? I want to get the plugs out there right away here. Well, uh, our show is actually geared towards taking a look at some really interesting issues that we find in like in society. We look at doing an investigation into some of the systemic issues that we find in areas like education, the media, geopolitics. And the point was, as we start to do that investigation, we start to look at some of the issues that we found, if they were interconnected or not. And what we found is that there was actually a relationship between those issues. Mm. And it was really interesting to us because those three areas seem completely unrelated. But when you start doing a, a deep dive into it, you start to see that those are three areas that actually start to teach control. So education teaches uh, reflexive control, like the immediate response to authority without question yeah which is kind of not something you want to have when you get older you don't Definitely. want that built into your mindset you want to be able to at least think through things that are happening and exercise some critical thinking skills well, yeah, and, go ahead no and jason you know with what we're talking about today the idea of the the gnostic or the satanic kind of overlap and the messaging within the marvel universe something that christopher was telling me about and um, I, I'm excited to get into it. I, I got the idea from Christopher. You know, he's a Christian. He identifies as a Christian. Are you the same way, Jason? You're, yes. you're a Christian as well? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it might sound like a, a weird question to ask right off the bat, but I'd like to see where the folks that are on the show are coming from. I lean okay. towards Christianity myself, but um, it, it is, um, I think it, it, in a way, kind of can define how you view the world, I think, if you're coming from a, a certain religious standpoint. Um, not in a bad or good way. I think it's just different for everybody. But 
Um, yeah. Christopher, what about you, dude? What's going on with you? Uh, not much. Uh, uh, just just working. You know, plugging the show. Um, this one this one was really interesting because there's what twenty one movies I think mm-hmm. in the there's Marvel franchise. That's a that's a lot of work to to, to go back through them. Uh, but no, it, it it was fun. Real interesting though. Hell yeah. And was this your idea, Christopher, or was this uh, Jason's, or you kind of kind of brainstorm? <laughs> Actually, this has been a point don't lie to point me. of contention between Jason and yeah. I. <laughs> because I, when we first started talking, you were uh, I think I pitched three different shows. Yeah, yeah. The first two were my ideas. They were the ones I wanted to do. This one was Jason's idea, and you were like, "Oh yeah, let's definitely do that one." I was like, "Oh, okay, well." And then this whole time, Jason's like, "I don't know." Who even came up with this idea? I was like, you. This was your <laughs> idea. Jason's fishing for compliments. He's like, hey, who's, no, truly, who's I idea was don't that? remember. Because <laughs> Christopher's like, you know, hey, we've got a great show prepared. I, I am super excited. <laughs> How are you feeling? I was like, what is it over? He was like, Gnostic beliefs in marble. I was like, excuse me? Why would you pick that idea? Like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> Things like it was your idea. That is a brilliant idea. <laughs> I'm to go look up what Gnostic means. This sounds uh, dope. That's funny. Hell yeah, man. No, I think it'll be pretty interesting. Like I said, I mean, I'm I'm not a huge Marvel guy, but I mean, everyone is as a kid. I mean, everyone's familiar with the universe, whether it was the comic book days or you know just the early adaptations. You called it the the first phase, right? Of of uh, the MCU. Yeah, we'll actually cover the first three phases. So from right. the first the first movie. Uh, the just Iron Man one, all the way up to uh, what is it? Endgame with mm-hmm. Thanos, the Avengers Endgame. So from that to to Thanos is it came out in three phases. So that, mm-hmm. that's kind of what we'll be talking about. Ryan, do you have Disney Plus at all? I do. Okay, if you if you're on Disney Plus and you go to to Marvel or the Avengers, what they will call the Infinity Saga are phases one, two, and three. Okay, so basically that's what we're going to be talking about. And um, it shows all the movies in that. Yeah. umbrella of the infinity saga yeah mm-hmm. interesting yep. and and i think this is a, a relevant topic because you don't have to be a christian and you don't have to be a fan of marvel uh because like you said you think that the um that our government is satanic right yeah and and, and you can look outside of the the christian paradigm and and get that information and this gnostic or satanic messaging that we see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not relegated to just that franchise. It's everywhere. But going through Marvel gives us a bunch of different ways of looking at it and uh hopefully equip people to to find it in in, in other things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, I I think that you see the narcissism idea in a lot of movies and series yeah. and just pop culture in general. And when you once you kind of get an understanding of what it is, and I'm like you Jason, I really didn't I know at all what it was until really recently you know learn learn about the cathars and some of these groups throughout time um mm-hmm. cathars were very interesting to me uh ever since i heard about them they're they're incredibly interesting but um i say we get into it man i, I really want to find out what you fellas are drinking over there because this is a big part of my show um okay. i'll start start with you jason what are you sipping on over there man you know i have got some kentucky natural iced tea that is that has come <laughs> from the the uh sacred springs of hardy's but i i it, it is smooth it is relaxing and it is hitting the back of my throat in a in a very smooth <laughs> wonderful 
type of way. I don't say that about many things because a lot of things don't hit the back of my throat. <laughs> uh, tea is very nice. That's I usually drink iced tea when I'm going to fast food places. Do you have any alcohol mixed in that tea? Not as of yet. Now, I was put on strict probation from Christopher. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. <laughs> Your exact words were, I am scared to death for you and Ryan to be on the same oh, show. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> why? He said, because you both have very similar styles of humor. And I don't know if you have appropriate breaks. <laughs> so I said, okay, I need to maintain my breaks. So. Oh, that's funny. Okay, uh, hey. It's fine. It's fine. If if uh, if that's what you think, Christopher, if that's the way that we, this needs to go down, I trust your judgment. But uh <laughs> sounds like you got a good sense of humor, Jason. Um, I've got to make up for the look. So that that's funny. <laughs> well, uh, what are you sipping on, Christopher? I've got the the Goose Island Neon Beer Hug, which it's not a bad tasting IPA. It's seven percent alcohol. The best thing about it is that it's got a bear wearing sunglasses on the can. I know that's kind of pathetic, but it, it's it's the draw for me. If you're not at least buying some beer based off of the label, I don't know what's wrong with you. You got to buy some <laughs> beers that just got a cool label. That's what right. it is. That's it. <laughs> I'm the opposite today. I'm drinking just a basic bitch Corona extra. I don't even like Corona that much. There's something about these clear bottles that really makes beer taste like shit. But mm-hmm. it was Are cheap even- at the gas station. So, you know. Okay. Are you even putting a lime in it or anything? I got a little lemon. It's just okay. lemon juice, though. It's this. The I don't even know where it is now. Oh, this stuff. You know, the old uh, bottle squeezing a little bit. So it's not even real lemon. I'm really slumming it today, but yeah, I'm also so trying to cut back on my drinking. Yeah, you know, you got to do it. Got to <laughs> do what you got to do, man. But um, shoot, where do we start with this? Where do we start with this idea of Gnosticism in the Marvel Universe? Well, I um, I think just uh, talking about what Gnosticism is. Okay. To give people a, a, a better understanding of it. And I actually had to do a lot of research to to get like the the backbone of it, you know, because you were talking about the the Cathars. You've mentioned that on your show several times. And uh, I was like, well, what is this? And I guess all the Abrahamic religions actually have a Gnostic branch of them. So there's Muslim Gnostics and there's Christian Gnostics and uh, Jewish Gnostics. So specifically what we'll be talking about today is Christian Gnosticism. And Gnosis means means knowledge, right? but it's not just, it's not just any knowledge because then you'd just be a denomination, you know, a different denomination of Judaism or Islam or whatever. It, what seems to happen really is it inverts the, the biblical message or the, uh, I guess if it's Islam, it'd be the Quran, but it really turns the, the narrative on its head where Satan ends up being the good guy and the creator God and divine Jesus are the bad people. Okay. Yeah, I saw I saw it broken down, especially within the Cathars. Um, one of the basic things was that they believe that that Satan, the you know, again, Christian um, Gnostics believe that Satan wrote the Old Testament and God wrote the New Testament, which is an interesting idea. Um, then you see, like, right. you know, the Jewish people really believing in the Old Testament, which I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting way to approach it i think just believing that a certain section of the bible is is no good the other section is good i don't know i don't know how you guys feel about that do you read the entire thing do you put a lot of credence on the entire thing or is it mostly new testament for you guys as as more dedicated christians than myself no for sure it's it's the whole thing okay Uh, you because with without the old testament the the new testament lacks the the depth the specificity and in the integrity 
Sure. I think. Right. Would and you it, say that, Jason? Well, yeah, I think the whole thing is actually an integrated message system. So if you take one half, you lose the necessary component of the other half, which is ne- which is needed in order to get the full picture. You know, your Old Testament, you're dealing a lot with a nation. And then in your New Testament, you're dealing with the story of a man helping to restore not just that nation, but the world. But they're interconnected. So you can't mm. really have one without the other. There's a relationship there, almost like DNA. And I think if you take half of it away, you really lose the concentric hole that you need in order to get that full picture well shoot you take a little bit away with in the case of dna you get i mean you get a completely different animal essentially right and then we know that there's a lot of books that were removed from the bible intentionally like what is it the apocrypha Mm -hmm. um all this stuff is is removed book of enoch is kind of the most famous one that people talk about um do you feel like that's that version of the bible how it was intended to be read with all those old books that are that are kicked out of it do you think that that is more of a pure message than this King James version or any of these uh, versions that we have out that are readily available to people today? I don't know if I would go that far. I think, you know, if we're talking about how we got the the Bible as it stands today, um, there are some twists and turns in that story that I think are important to understand. But if you were to look at it at its core, um, looking at what most of the authors had at that time for what they would consider the Bible, you know, you got things like the Septuagint that was already in in writing three or four centuries before Christ, you know, it was already printed. I don't think those books were necessarily included in that. So it's my view that while they may be included for additional understanding, they're not necessarily considered inspired gospel. And I think that's fine because there's a lot of information that's included in them that seems to elucidate scripture in different places. That's important for people to get understandings, like like you mentioned earlier with Enoch. Enoch seems to add a lot of, and well, at least first Enoch, I want to be specific because right. third Enoch's a whole nother issue uh, that's not considered um, in line with scripture. <clears throat> Excuse okay. me, but first Enoch tends to add a lot of details in there that don't conflict. And I think as long as you're getting information doesn't necessarily conflict with the core of scripture or with the, the tenets of scripture, and it's adding additional information that gives you clarity, I think you're okay. But I think when we start taking that and elevating it to the position where this is infallible, I think we got some issues there. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, it makes sense. Go ahead, Christopher. Oh, I was just going to say uh, an easy way to look at it is I think what we consider or what a, a vast majority of Christians consider canon now, it ha- they ha- they corroborate each other, right? Like you talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and these writings. They uh, have eyewitnesses that were that were there when they wrote them. Uh, they they could have been contested at the time. Uh, they uh, complement one another, and the other books that ha- got taken out or aren't in canon currently lack that um, mutual. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not respect, but mutual accountability. Okay. So, like Jason was saying, it does offer really good information, but where it conflicts with the vast majority of scripture that all looks to to itself for validity um then then you're in trouble Mm. yeah man i mean this stuff it's it's a complex idea and and christopher you mentioned something earlier where gnostics tend to take the evil and make it the good is this directly related to the idea that they believe that evil is in charge of our realm here um they kind of like they're the architect they're the creator of of our earth uh yes very much so 
that the, the, the creator God is, is seen as the villain or like, like we'll see in, in, in these movies that when you look at the villain, it has the villain has so much more in common with what the Bible says the creator God does or the divine version of Jesus. Not that there's two versions, but uh, they they get confused that there's um, the the human nature of Jesus and the divine nature of Jesus. Mm. So a lot of times the human nature of Jesus, which would be where like the Da Vinci Code that Jesus married, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene. Right. Like all these weird <laughs> ideas that uh, then he ends up on the hero side. But you talk about Jesus sitting on a throne. You talk about him, you know, judging and all of a sudden he becomes the villain. So that is a, is actually probably one of the most confusing things in the movie, because it's it's very similar to how some people think Lucifer and Satan are different. You're just kind of looking at them in a different light. They're really the same person. You can't mm-hmm. separate Lucifer and Satan. You can't separate human Jesus from the divine Jesus. And so, yeah, I think that breaks that. That's a good way to break that down, dude. Because the the same way that Lucifer and and Satan are seen by certain groups, Freemasons, more of the you know esoteric groups like that, these fraternities. I believe the Rosicrucians too, if I'm not mistaken, the Christian mystics. If I might be off base on that, but um, yeah, man, it's it's uh like I said, the, the gnosis and Gnosticism is incredibly interesting to me, and it's complex. There was also another idea that I read, and I was trying to look for right now while you were talking, Christopher, this uh, three levels of Gnosticism, right? Are you guys familiar with these three levels at all? Um, Not right offhand. What do you have? So I couldn't find it, but from what I remember, there was the, the first level, which is basically, um, you know, people, and there was names for all three of these levels, people in the in the low level were very obsessed with wanting and material things uh, obsessed with the material world which is really where uh satan has its grip on on most of reality here right according to this belief system the second would be a much more spiritual kind of almost getting to that uh gnosis level right like you're very spiritual you don't really care about material things um you don't really engage in any kind of negative thought or you know any any kind of negative stuff at all um, and then the third and final would be like you're meditating most of the day and you're not you're you're completely a spiritual being almost completely removed from your physical body. So it's a weird thing. And and again, all these have names. Um, I don't know what it all leads to, though, in, in their heads. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not super familiar with those three stages. Yeah, I'll try and find it as we go on. But OK, um, cool. Yeah, man. Uh, so, I mean, I, don't, I think that that's a, a decent ex- ex- explanation of Gnosticism. Did you have anything more to make it kind of clear for people like myself that aren't 100 percent like knowledgeable about the topic? Yeah, at least at least as far as we're going to dive into it for the the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the messaging that we see in the movies. If you imagine that Satan is telling retelling the stories from the Bible, right? Yes. That Satan's like, okay, y'all have it all wrong. I'm not the bad guy. Look, this is how it really went down. And it's really from that perspective that we can see this narrative show up over and over and over in, in these films and in other films. And I think that the danger with that is, is that, uh, have you heard of the problem of the protagonist? There might be a more uh, encyclopedic definition, but have you heard of what the problem with the protagonist? No. Okay, so we typically will side with whoever is telling the story, 
like whoever's narrating or whoever the protagonist is, sure. we're going to empathize and sympathize with that, that person. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So if we're right, and if there really is this Gnostic or satanic messaging in the Marvel series, then what these do is it continually has us sympathize with Satan and side with Satan, whether or not we know we're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely interesting. So, so this would be the idea that Satan's telling the story? Yes. Now, it, it's, it's from that perspective that you can understand like how to navigate the, the different aspects to it. You know, you said simplify to someone that doesn't really understand Gnosticism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just imagine that, that Satan's telling the stories in the Bible, but he's also making it a superhero movie. You know what I mean? Wow, okay. So it it, it really, once we go into a couple, it'll, it'll make a lot of sense. Now here's yeah. what's interesting, though, for, for a person who's already going, what? <laughs> like, sympathy for the devil? What, 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 do you, what do you talk about here? I think, Christopher, you, you point out a good, a good thing here uh, a moment ago, which is that once you start knowing what to look for, you start to hear it. And it comes up with so much repetition and frequency to the, to the level-headed thinker. They'd have to notice, wait a minute, why is this repeating so much in culture? Right. For instance, one of the most famous Vietnam era songs is from um, the stones and it's called sympathy for the devil. And you hear it constantly, but the the phrase doesn't kick in. You know, if I was like, hey, you ever heard that song, Sympathy for the Devil? You'd be like, no, I, I ain't heard that. But then when you hear the, the chorus and you hear the medley, you're like, that's that song? I've heard that song all the time. <laughs> They're constantly playing that. Yeah, but it's constantly getting seeded into the public mind, into the conscious mind uh, of society. This whole idea of being sympathetic towards Lucifer. Now, I didn't believe this too much until... I was looking on Netflix and I started getting surprised how many programs there are that are designed to make you sympathetic to the villain. Absolutely. Out to where you get the show Lucifer. Mm. Like a very popular show. And you watch it and you're kind of like, Hey, it's, he's not that bad. (laughs) You know, he kind of seems like a decent person. (laughs) He wears a nice suit. Yeah, I mean, there you see it in, in movies like The Joker, too. I haven't thought about it like this, where, you know, like, you feel bad for, for uh, who, what the hell's the guy's name? Uh, I keep wanting to call him Keanu Reeves. What is it? The what? actor who played him? Or? Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Thank you. Um, you, yeah, you feel bad. I can see that. I, I mean, it, it's not at all. Because yeah, I, I, I was like, thinking of River like Phoenix. Hawaiian name. Right. <laughs> It feel it has that feel to it. Yeah, it's a little weird, right? Oh, but you no. say Joaquin, you want to do something like this, and yeah, you want to throw up like you you want to smoke yeah. or something. Yeah, it's weird, but I mean, it, it's just you, when you see these movies where yeah, the 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 bad guy almost kind of gets screwed over or something, or you feel some sympathy. That is a a very unique way, I think, to look at these movies. So again, I mean, we said it early that that you see this gnostic principle idea in a lot of different storylines. Now, I found those three types, the names of them for you real quick. Um, this is from Gaia.com. So a lot of people, you know, give this website a lot of crap. Um, I don't know how I feel about them 100%. But the low type, uh, the more more physical bound spirit is a hillock or a hylic, H-Y-L-I-C. Um, and then the physic would be the second type. And this is a more mentally based person. Um, and then the pneumatic would be the third and final highest type where you're at the highest levels of consciousness here on earth. 
um, more connected to the spirit realm than the, than the, um, physical and so on. So yeah, hillock, physic, and pneumatic. Interesting. Yeah. Cause pneumatic, pneuma is, uh, air, right? Yeah. N- uh, is it? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah pneuma is Greek get- for air. Right. That's where you get pneumatics from. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, this was a, a really basic way to look at all of the, the principles of Gnosticism. But um, there was another thing that jumped out here, too. Sophia is a huge idea within mm-hmm. Gnosticism, and it means wisdom. And if you remember, the first AI citizen in Saudi Arabia's name was Sophia. And AI is going to have infinite wisdom here on Earth, a, 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 you know, in the science-based shit, right? That's a freaky idea. I did not know that Sophia meant wisdom until I was reading through this Gnostic stuff. So it's a freaky little thing. Yeah. See, stuff like that, that for skeptics, you want to be like, hey, they could have named it anything. Mm -hmm. They could have called it Diane. They could have called (laughs) it, you know, Shirley. Anything. You you go with Sophia. That's not accidental. Well, Diane would have been a bad one, too, right? Because Diana, goddess Diana, all that crazy stuff. I mean, that that would have. (laughs) It could have been any of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. So, um, so yeah, where do we go, man? I, I, I want to get into the the movies of the the themes. Are we starting with Phase One? Or are we going to go backwards? How are we doing this? Uh, no, we can start with Phase One for sure. Um, and yeah, we'll do. So we'll do Thor, and then I have a couple things to say about the actual technology of TV. But we'll we'll get into Thor just to to give you a taste of what we're talking about. Well, if you want to do the TV stuff first, dude, I'm fascinated with that stuff for sure. Okay, cool. So yeah, we'll do the TV thing first, and then and then go into Thor. Okay. So I really think, so like Jason was saying, you see this everywhere and it's intentional if it's repetitive and it's dangerous when we see it on the TV because of how the TV works. So the flicker rate of a TV typically will change your, your brainwave state within about 60 seconds. Have you heard of this? No, but I mean, it's screaming MK ultra to me right off the bat. Oh, for sure. So what happens is because of the flicker rate in your eyes, it will take you from beta wave state to alpha state. What's the significance of that? Beta is the beta is the the typical brain wave function. It's what it's what we're in right now. It allows you to think. It allows you to feel. It what it balances everything, but it also utilizes your prefrontal cortex so you can critically engage with information that's pre- presented to you. So it's now, your we, average walking around brain wave rate is beta. Yes. Okay. And when you shift into alpha state, it's that's the the brainwave state that you get into when you meditate, right? If 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 you're good at meditation, then it, it can change you from from beta to alpha. It, mm. It's like the half asleep state, right? It makes you more susceptible to messaging. You're uh, highly impressionable in an alpha brain state, right? And wow. it, it it doesn't completely sidestep your prefrontal cortex, but it it loses a lot of its processing power. You know, if you think of the brain like a computer. So contemplation, it's the same brain state that you get into if you go under hypnosis. Wow, dude, that's freaking. So they, they shift you it's immediately. Crazy. And what's even crazier, uh, somebody said this, I haven't been able to track it down, but I believe that the, the TV was designed to be an occult piece of technology. Um, it's part of the, the the telecommunication equipment, which are things that allow you to go at a distance into another realm. Like a telephone allows you to talk at a distance. A telefax allows you to send a message at a, at a distance. Uh, or a facsimile, a telegram allows a message at a distance. Television allows you to see something at a distance. And I believe the, the intention was to be able to access another dimension. Now, I don't know Holy if you're successful uh, with that, 
but the programming aspect of it is completely un- it, you can't miss it if, if even if you were blind you know when you start looking at the mechanisms to it you have a you have channeling involved everything that they create for that platform is called a program the idea that you're being programmed is you know obvious right Yep. Yeah, dude, that is wild to think about, man. Because yeah, when you, even when you think about live TV, I mean, mm-hmm. that's obvious. That's the most obvious aspect of it. Literally being teleported, you're viewing something. I mean, like I'm going to watch the UFC event this Saturday. It's in Abu Dhabi, and I'm here in Tucson, Arizona. Right. Watching something as it's going on. Sure, there's a couple second delay, but it, I mean, it is a magic tool. Uh, the idea of it, and and magic tends to be, you know, when it's put in the hands of our of our you know, quote unquote rulers here on earth, it's used bad and for bad, bad purposes. So that's wild, dude. I can't believe I've never seen that. I'm actually kind of trying to look online here to see if we can find anything on and that's that. That's just a television, man. You can't even uh, account for what happens in a movie theater. That's true. Okay. In a movie theater, you walk into a black box, lights are dimmed, you get put into a catatonic state, you sit down, you're comfortable, you lean back. The stuff is elevated above you. All of this plays into your your psychology on taking in messages, not to mention uh, it's not a flicker rate with the the theater, but the light patterns are still important. Like a lot of this stuff was strategically designed, understanding our physiology and it's used against us. Well, you'd think that's so comfortable. Sorry, dude. Yeah, you'd think that the frequency of these of the audio would be very important to it, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then just this is a, a slight tangent, but I think it's applicable. We're just talking about the TV, but if uh, virtual reality is the next step, right? Mm-hmm. And they've actually done studies with children. So children that that watch TV, it affects their um, uh, impulse control, right? Okay, I can so, see that because it because it, it does what we're saying. You know, changes you from from beta wave to alpha wave, and you're not thinking about, you're just feeling about, and you're doing it well virtual reality they did a test where they uh had a bunch of children play simon says in in a virtual environment and they lost all impulse control so it didn't matter whether simon says or not like the the parameters of the game were completely lost if you were supposed to jump on one leg or touch your nose or sit down or stand up they just did it because that's the effect that this technology has on your brain it really changes how we process information so what happens as soon as you got a screen in front of you Dude, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you're telling me that these kids would put on the headsets and this was probably the first time that they did it and they're 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 testing this theory out. Uh-huh. Like like Jason's saying, they're just excited to have a screen in front of their face. So yeah, they're going to the the box is telling them touch your toes. Even though Simon didn't say it, they're going to touch their toes. That's that's Dude, yeah, they're doing something really dark with this with this virtual reality stuff in Meta. I mean, it's it's creeping into the MMA world big time too, which is is weird. Um That is weird. Yeah, dude, like Mark Zuckerberg. MMA. Well, you know, so Mark Zuckerberg rented out an event, you know, like a king in a freaking arena, you know, the Apex Arena. They're they're smaller venues, um, or a smaller venue. No media allowed at this particular event. No one allowed. You know, you could you still watch it on on TV and and whatnot. But Mark Zuckerberg and his team are the only ones there. And then the next week uh, at a smaller. Uh, kind of a lower level UFC thing called the LFA. A lot of people from LFA graduate and go on to the UFC. 
you see the announcer or the commentators are literally wearing the VR masks, like as a joke, you know, sitting there. One dude that that won the main event uh, walked out wearing the v, the VR headset, and then he took it off and fought without it on. But yeah. just it, it's creeping in, and it's not 100% clear how it's going to be incorporated. But the writing's on the wall that Meta is going to involve itself with particularly the UFC. Interesting. Yeah, you know, when you start looking at some of the cognitive conditioning techniques that are used in society, they've already started to get people comfortable with the idea of getting into a metaverse back with like movies like Ready Player One. Yeah, which it looks so cool look, there, right? It, oh, my dude, it was such a fascinating movie. I loved it. Like I, I had to go back. I watched it two, three times. It was right the third time that the other part of my brain kicked in. I was like, what are you watching? <laughs> It's like a uh, great movie is what I watch. Right. Now you're getting programmed. I'm like, how? And I go, I start watching it again. I was like, oh man, they got me again. They're good at it, man. Dive in. I was like, can I order one of them little vests? You know, the ones that hit you all. I was like, this would be dope. I mean, in theory, it'd be fun for a video game. You know, they show you Uh oh, you guys are kind of getting choppy there. Can you hear me? What happened? You still there? Yeah, can you hear me? You got choppy. I can edit this out, though. Let's see. Yeah. Okay, I can hear you guys, but you guys are frozen on your screens. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we got you. Everything good? Everything seems fine on our end. That's weird. Yeah, let's see. Okay, you guys are back. You guys are back. Okay, cool. Yeah, we started talking about real stuff, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the aliens get you, dude. Yeah, they they start listening. I said MMA <laughs> isn't. Yeah, we got the button for that. Zuckerberg, that was the that was the buzz phrase, buzzword. No kidding. Yeah, dude, start talking about some uh, AI and freaking, you know, all the stuff we've been in so far. But yeah, I can edit this this stuff out, dude. No problem. Awesome. But cool. um, you start to see that type of social conditioning. So when you when you fast forward to what you were saying with MMA and Zuckerberg coming out, like. That's not a surprise to me. I wasn't sure how they were they were you know in, in bed together, but now you got people that are going to be watching that, thinking, "Hey, this is cool. My favorite person, you know, has got some headset on. That's awesome. Not that big a deal." And in the meantime, I guarantee you, they're testing, they're watching. You know, the human brain is set up in a certain certain manner that you can look at the metrics and see how it performs. And if you know that you can shift a person's brain state in front of a screen in under 30 seconds, that's scary. Yeah. You combine that with advertisements and advertisers have spent a lot of money and a lot of time researching our psychology. Once you get into that impressionable state, there's a lot of stuff that can be thrown right at you. Mm. And that doesn't even get into the whole issue of mirror neurons. That's that's what I was going to say. <laughs> what is this? Because, right. I mean, once you add that in there, are you familiar with mirror neurons? Mirror neurons, no. Okay, so mirror neurons is is a part of our brain that basically um, activates when we see someone perform a particular function. And what it does is it replicates that function in our our, uh, neurology, in our neural pathway. So it's almost as though we're doing it. Like they were researching this with monkeys. And they were showing, I believe the, don't quote me on the exact particulars of the study, but I think it was something like they had trained a monkey to respond uh, when he was like eating food or whatever. And his trainer actually ate some food and the monkey mirrored it. 
and they had they had the map on the brain, but they were looking at it like, hey, you're not actually eating. But as far as his brain was concerned, he was eating. It's kind of the same thing we talk about living through another person. Sure. The same basic type of concept where the brain from a neurological perspective is unable to differentiate between what you are doing and what you are viewing. It treats that incoming information the exact same, which is why if you're watching like a a dramatic or an action sequence, right, your heart rate goes up Mm -hmm. because your body is responding to what you're seeing through a mirror neuron uh, complex. Right. Even though consciously you're aware that it's not happening in the room, your brain chemistry uh, doesn't have that distinction. It still processes. So that's why scary movies are scary. Action movies are fun. All of that. None of that would happen if your brain was just like, oh, this is fake, like looking at a picture. So like is it is this considered to be like a a, a serious science? It's very real. I, I, I'm totally I believe, you know, pseudoscience things more more often than regular science, like stuff that's backed by establishment. Is this mm-hmm. admitted to by like the biggest science establishment and everything? These mirror neurons? Oh, yeah. It's 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 rock solid science. All of it. Wow. The TV changing your brainwave state, mirror neurons. <clears throat> but people don't very often put the, the things together, right? Like you hear conditioning or whatever. Cause hang on, I'll back up. The mirror neurons, a lot of people think is how we respond empathetically to people. You know, you see someone right. that's sad. So then you, why do you feel sad? Because your brain engages this way. It actually outside of advancements in technology works to help. Um, it's like the um, lubrication in society, right? It helps us all engage and respond to one another in a uh, more consistent medium without being like automatons or robots. Right. Have you ever seen the movie, um, the Jet Li movie? Is it un, not uncaged? Maybe uncaged. Oh, the uh, all around his neck. Yeah. It's like the animal one. Yeah, I know exactly. It's something like that animal or uncaged. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Yes. Yeah, so it shows him he's in a grocery store and he's shopping for a melon and these dudes break out in a fight and they're knocking stuff off shelves and everyone and everyone responds accordingly except for him. He was just like, oh, look, I found I finally found a melon, like not oblivious, but he he wasn't having that empathetic response because his brain was not working the way that it should have. Mm. Yeah, that's wild. So when we say that the TV conditions you, it's actually based off of these this solid science. But a lot of people have a misconception, right, that if you if there's satanic messaging, then I'm going to watch Iron Man and I'm going to walk out of Iron Man going, hey, oh, Satan, you know. Mm. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not how it works. It, it, yeah. I know we're taking a while to get there, but it reminds me uh, when I was real young, like probably high school, I said the word uh, gay a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot before yeah. it was, you know, you're not allowed to say that in public. It wasn't taboo yet, but I said yeah. it so much. It annoyed me. I was like, why am I saying this all the time? So I asked my brother, I was like, look, and he was completely on board. I was like, every time I say this, I give you permission to hit me as hard as you can. And he was like, all right, cool. So first couple of times it almost started to fight. I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said I could do this. <laughs> but then all of a sudden I stopped. It was like months later. I stopped. I realized I had not used the term gay in a while. Now there was never a moment where I thought, you know, I probably shouldn't say gay because my brother's going to punch me. Yeah. It was all completely subconscious that I went from getting hit a couple times when I use this word to just not using it 
at all. And I was consciously unaware of any of that. So that's kind of what we're talking about. Your brainwave state changes from beta to alpha state. Your mirror neurons are firing and you're sitting in front of these movies that are told from Satan's perspective. And it's like running a real life simulation. And what it does is it trains, it actually conditions emotional and cognitive reflexes. So, so not at that moment, you won't know, just like I wasn't aware in the moment when my brother hit me that it was setting up responses to change my behavior. But like you said, we believe that the government is satanic. So when they institute new plans, new ideas, new agendas, or just new ideas, we go, you know what, that really resonates with me. I, that makes a lot of sense. Well, why does it make sense? Because the media has been running your brain through this simulation, establishing cognitive and emotional um, reflexes. Huh, man, you know, the way that that technology has been used, like since the TV comes about, um, really comes about. And we're, I, I feel like we're, have you heard of this idea of the gold age, the silver age, the copper, the bronze age, and then the dark age mm -hmm. when like how, how it has to do with like religion being the gold age, the military being the silver age, the merchant being the copper bronze, and then the slave being the dark age. I don't know if you've, heard this thing before it's something i've talked I've about i've heard it like that no yeah i've heard the the uh the metallic reference but i haven't yeah. heard the breakdown okay so i mean this was something that that it was interesting looking into trump's potential re-election mm -hmm. and how i mean this was steve bannon that said that trump was a man of time right he can essentially in their weird idea because they're all cult members too in my opinion that right. they can bring the humanity's natural progression is to go from the gold age, which is the religious age to silver, the military. What we're in right now is the copper, the bronze age, which is the age of the merchant. This is where the merchant has all the power. And I mean, you see it in day to day life where big business like Amazon and Google and Facebook are partnering with the government. And they're in some cases the most powerful. I mean, I think that the, like Amazon one of the most powerful entities in the world, bigger, most more powerful than a lot of governments. And they've been the ones that have been using this technology for their benefit. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of propaganda to support the military. So at the, at the invention of the TV, a lot of that technology and that knowledge that you guys are talking about right now was used to promote the silver age moving into the copper and, and um, bronze age. Now it's about selling people stuff and you're starting to see more and more people kind of go against what the military represents and where Trump fits into that is Bannon and all these guys wanted to move us instead of going from the copper age to the dark age, wanted to go back in time, which is essentially impossible without something crazy happening from the copper age, the merchant age to the silver age or the military age. This would be like the World War Three idea kind of interesting stuff like that but i don't know if you see where i'm going where like this this stuff has been used to prop up the merchants the amazons the googles of the world but since we're moving into this dark age it seems that's going to be used to control us as slaves we're all going to be slaves in this system that they want with the headsets right. with the metaverse dude if your life is 100 percent in the metaverse all that it takes is for you saying one wrong thing and then you got no money to spend you have nothing right mm -hmm. so I mean, it, it seems like it's being used in that exact way right now is what I see. For sure. I think so. That's interesting, man. That's that's some that crazy science. Some of the real life issues that you see. Um, you know, we were talking earlier when you were asking about what, what Operation Red Pill was about. 
when we're talking about these control matrix, uh, which is really what we identify. It's control on three different levels, control of the individual, control of society, and then control of the, of the planet on a global level. Mm. And you start to see these different areas that are implementing mechanisms for control that are interconnected with each other. So while we're establishing psychological control through cognitive conditioning and, and some of these programming methods established by the Tavistock Institute, then you move into some of the, the control metrics being done financially getting mm-hmm. off of a cash-based currency, going into cryptocurrency and things like that, and then combine that with another layer of control by having everybody into a, a metaverse. All yes, of these yes. seem to be like a multi-layered prison that put the person into, as you were saying, uh, a slave position. Yeah. Where you, there's no way out. And that that corresponds with what they were saying at, um, was that the World Economic Forum? You will own nothing. Yes, yeah. Yeah, right. they say so much of the stuff that we all talk about in these types of shows. A lot mm-hmm. of these things are discussed there at the highest levels of society, dude. Right. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, yeah, the stuff seems to to coalesce together. I, I do have a bit of hope, though, since it's all kind of like there's no way out. Um, I think it was was it Joseph Goebbels that said, if you're aware that it's propaganda, that it doesn't work. I think so. I've think tried was- hard to find this quote. Do you know, is is that right, Ryan? It sounds like something he'd say. He's, I mean, you know, I, I know you know, but, you know, for the listeners, the propaganda master behind the Nazis in the Third Reich. So, yeah, yeah, probably. That sounds right. Yeah. So, but it's the idea that, hey, if you know that this is propaganda and not just entertainment or not just a TV, that it doesn't work. And I think it's similar, like, so a girl's hitting on you at a bar or anyone's hitting on you at, at the bar and you know that they're just trying to rip you off you're probably a lot less likely to go home with them if you know it's fake. So that I think that's one one reason or one important reason to kind of look at what messaging is in whatever media you're you're watching because as long as you can recognize that there is programming there that it's not going to be as effective. But that's the trick cuz nobody recognizes they're being deceived in the process of being deceived. Well, that is a problem. <laughs> I, was well, like, that, I swear he's deceiving me right now. <laughs> you realize it after the fact, if yeah. you're if you're uh, fortunate. Yeah, dude, that's like the whole uh, shame on you, shame on me thing, right? Like fool me once, fool me twice. That I wonder if that's why there's such obvious propaganda right now um, with, you know, whether it be with the vaccines, whether it be with like, uh, you know, getting on board with the cool thing, the new thing, the Ukraine, whatever. Mm-hmm. that's very obvious to people like us, not, not obvious to others, but what propaganda are they using on us that we don't know about? Cause we know right. about that mainstream propaganda, but there's, there's probably some other levels here. I, I, you know, some meme accounts that I see like glad Bible, some of these massive meme accounts, I feel like are total propaganda. That's so insidious that, mm-hmm. you know, 99% of their posts or even more than 99% of their posts are funny, nonsensical things that you just kind of laugh at keep scrolling but then when something like ukraine happens or something political happens they're jumping on that bandwagon too so it's a very subtle hit to like they say a lot of funny things i agree with a lot of what they say they bring me a lot of entertainment i'm going to agree with them on this ukraine thing and i remember seeing like why the hell are they posting this This is a funny account this isn't serious political stuff so see most people aren't in my opinion most people are not that structured in their intake of information even to be acutely aware of, hey, this particular source of content is typically a, a comedic source, right? Yeah. And then this one maybe is my political source. 
So why is my comedic source crossing over into my political source or, or vice versa? Most people are not that strategic in how they look at what they feed on because mm-hmm. we've been conditioned so much to just think emotionally. So yeah. if it makes me laugh, if it makes me feel good, if it makes me feel sad, I mean, look at, and this is a little off topic for what we're talking about, but if you look at social media, the fact that they have those five or six choices is not there by mistake. They did the research to understand that, hey, this makes it easier for you to figure out what your emotional response to this material should be. Mm-hmm. And I'm only giving you five choices when you have a much larger emotional palette and it can be way more dynamic and complex. But we'll just filter it down to these four or these five. And then you can figure out how you want to respond according to that. Well, that teaches you how to think about things outside of the social media complex. So you begin to respond to things almost impulsively that way. I'm happy. I'm sad. It makes me laugh. I'm shocked. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I do. You don't think any deeper about it. And so when it comes to things crossing over, certainly you're not going to begin to parse that down and go, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you bringing this to me on this channel? Well, the reason I'm bringing it to you on this channel is I've gotten you used to laughing. They say humor is one of the, the easiest ways to bypass a person's frontal cortex. You know, people aren't thinking while they're laughing. Sure. I've been the benefit of this. There are phone <laughs> numbers I can get. Hey, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, they're, they're, they're not, it's a natural thing. And the powers that be have studied us very well. And at the same time, they have strategically not taught us things that we need to know about how to live life successfully. And mm-hmm. that is because there is an aim to enslave all of us. See, they don't get that stuff in China and Russia, from what I understand, though, like the crazy feeds on TikTok and on Instagram. I mean, they're showing kids over there in Russia and China, like, you know, the same goofy TikToks that we have here, girls shaking their asses, which I enjoy thoroughly. Mm-hmm. But the like they show them how to, like, create businesses and they show them how to do serious stuff, you know, startup type things. You know, this is where you go. This is how you do the simple, uh, you know, HTML coding thing or whatever. There, so it seems like this is targeting the West, this whole breakdown of society, which is the Christian, uh, the Judeo-Christian ideas, right, especially here in the United States. So, I mean, you're on to something with that. I just wonder if it's everyone in the world or if it's um, first to break down the West and then maybe go go for the rest of the world. For well, what I, go, go ahead, man. Oh, I was just going to say, a lot of people think that the West is the, the last bastion of freedom, yeah. which is a little poetic, but I was in China... Oh, how old am I? Like 15 years ago. And uh, I was actually there doing a mission trip. But one thing I thought was really interesting is that nobody talked, right? So we were in like the, you know, walking down the street and the sidewalk is full and the streets are full of vehicles with everyone walking around. I'm like, there's a lot of people over there. But you don't hear just conversation walking down the street the way that you do here. Mm. It was was really weird. And I, I looked around because us group of Americans were the only ones laughing, you know, in the MTR or, you know, having a conversation outside of the food truck or whatever. I was like, this is bizarre. Why is everyone so quiet? And uh, I, I don't think that other countries aren't being conditioned or aren't uh, subject to some amount of satanic or global or governmental agenda. I just think that it's different. Sure. That's what I was going to say, like this, this overall control matrix has got a lot of sub agendas running concurrently. So it's not just one thing. 
So if you're looking at, you say, the United States and the idea is to crumble the United States for two reasons. One, because it represents Christianity to the world, which is kind of a joke, but unfortunately it does. So you need to, um, you need to discredit Christianity so that an atheistic view or so that a replacement Christianity seems more palatable and plausible. Like the Antichrist. Right. Right. You also need to reduce the power of the United States on a geopolitical level. And you can't invade the U.S. We are too well armed. I mean, you could, but from from a strategic perspective, we've got, what, two or three guns for every citizen Mm -hmm. here? I mean, I don't know where my three are at, but (laughs) I need a couple more. You know, but we're we're too well armed for that. So you've got to get us to destroy ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, that's different than if you're dealing with communist China, right? They have a different culture that you can infiltrate and take over um, that requires a different strategy than trying to deal with the West. And I think if you look, if, if we take a look at what's happening in China, yeah, they may be teaching them certain things on how to build businesses and a little more productive use of TikTok. But a lot of that's happening in their communist, what do they call those? Because it's not, they won't call it a capitalist zone, where even though they're practicing capitalism, it's still considered a communist state. But if you look at like these 14 different um, super development zones that they have, Wuhan was one of them. Mm -hmm. These are the areas in China that are booming. And they're practicing, more or less, controlled capitalism. Sure. Right, some of what they they want to take away with at the West, so they're elevating China while trying to de, uh, uh, not devalue. Is what I'm thinking of by taking down the United States, but it's not about geopolitics. That's where a lot of people get thrown off. It's really about a spiritual takeover. Mm-hmm. I I see that, and I see a lot of people mentioning that, and I agree. But I'm curious. I mean, a lot of people, I think, are are not you guys, obviously, but I mean, a lot of people are very misinformed when they talk about the spirituality stuff. And I've I've been bagging on that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. But have you heard of this uh, idea of the the Fifty Cent Army? It's not the rapper uh, followers or anything, but Fifty Cent Army. I have not in China. Um, okay, it's a it's a fascinating concept, and I think that we see this here too. But it was an idea where people with somewhat of a, a you know prolific social media uh, you know footprint would post pro China propaganda, really mm-hmm. subtle, and every post it would get fifty cents. So it, and it's like armies of kids and armies of you know young people that are poor trying to just get a little bit of cash. I think that, that there's something like, like that here. Well, it sounds like an offshoot of of the the Chinese credit system. The social credit score, yeah, yeah. which we're doing mm-hmm. here next year. Exactly, we're, we're, they're trying to implement that here now. Yeah, be broke, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start off in the negative, dude, with the stuff right. I said. But man, I'm coming up. I'm having <clears throat> credit. I don't care what y'all say. I'm living high on debt. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I watch everyone like has to change. So cray. I mean, like my show will be about like all the different genders once that happens, just so I can eat. Dude, it's gonna be right? crazy. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, I'll starve to death first. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I know I can't do I it. I will either. not acquiesce. You won't. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's. It, I don't think I would either, man. I think it's easier said than done, though. Uh, to for say sure. that, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, Christopher, for sure. To, to your point, Ryan, I think they are doing things in China. It's just in in those particular zones. 
you know, where they're practicing this, this form of Chinese capitalism, they probably are not doing that. But if you took the vast amount of China, they don't have access even to most of the stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, there's a massive firewall. Yeah. And China itself is is contained by that massive firewall. So I think they're actually under a great amount of control. Well, I mean, if they have the social credit score, then sure, start a business. But your business better benefit the state, the state, or you're not going to make any money anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. It's got to be green. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be what the what the state wants. So and I, it's just it's it's scary because it seems like they're doing that here. You know, the the social governance, uh, all this stuff that they're trying to do with the Fed, the Federal Reserve, the biggest mafia in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Scary, dude. It's scary stuff. But what a lovely tangent that was. That was a good I'm, dude. I learned so much in that, like, freaking, you know, 30 minutes of that shit. I had not heard of those mirror neurons. I got to look into that a little bit. And it's mirror like a black mirror is how, uh-huh. how it's pronounced. Mirror mm-hmm. neurons or neutrons. Yep. Okay. No, mirror neurons. neurons. Mirror neurons. Okay. Yeah. yeah, dude, that is wild to me. I'm gonna definitely look into that. Well, but see, I, I think it's really cool. The scripture talks about be careful what you sit before your eyes. Sure. So the creator understands. Hey, you have these com these these um, physiological structures in your body, in your mind. You know these cognitive structures as well. That that um, what's the word I'm looking for? That uh, that 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 are in relationship with your physical structures and based on how you're made, that could be beautiful, but it can also be hijacked. It can Mm. also be used against you. So if you're constantly setting death in front of you Mm. and you're learning to participate, like I'm the type of person, you know, they talk about, you can be an audible learner, a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably kinesthetic. Is that what you learn by doing? You learn both by audio and visual. And okay. I think doing's a, a component of that. I don't have the definition right in front of me. But I, I learn a lot visually. Me too. And I didn't know that until, you know, I'm, I'm a drummer. I remember I was watching one of my favorite drummers. Shout out to uh, Carter Beaufort from Dave Matthews Band. Dope. I'm watching his stuff. And I'm just sitting there intrigued, just looking at how he does the stuff. And I'm, I'm like a rewind person. Like, how'd you do that? Okay, let me watch it again. Let me watch it again. 20 times later, I'm still fascinated. Happen to sit behind a drum set and I'm replicating not to the degree of skill that he has, but to a certain degree, I'm replicating what I watched and I didn't have to practice it. I just huh. learned it by watching it. And the motor skill setup came with it. Now, nowhere near the way they showed on that uh, show heroes. I don't know if you ever watched that. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, Is that the, the superheroes? Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, seen this actually. Yeah, they had these different things that they could do, different capacity or capabilities. Was it back one in like 2012? Th- yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. So the, one of the people who I was so envious of, they could literally learn whatever they needed to just by watching someone do it. Not by watching someone teach it to them. Like it wasn't watching a YouTube tutorial. Right. They were just watching the person do what they do and they learned the skill. Dude, what an underrated superpower. Everyone always goes, I want to fly. That's what I, I want. Yeah. That's a I good like, one. I watch a person fly and be like, I got it. I'm about to exactly. <laughs> fly by my side. This is about to be dope. Yeah, that's funny. That's I, I remember uh, I was wrestling after watching a UFC match. I was wrestling with my brother, and I performed a perfectly executed like reverse arm bar. I got out of it. And I was like, oh, maybe I have that power. I just watched it happen, <laughs> and I just did it. 
I don't have that power. <laughs> Try it against a black belt in jujitsu and see, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. That's wild, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's 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 interesting that all that shit, dude. I, I really have to look into that mirror. It reminds me of that idea too of um, you're like the the average of the five people that you hang out with most, right? The the people mm-hmm. that you hang out with, the the you know, all that stuff is rubbing off on you. And I think it's at a very very subconscious level. I know that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's why they say don't be the smartest in a group of your friends. Because if you're the smartest person, everybody's going down. Right. Right. But if all your (laughs) friends are smarter, then smarter is rubbing off on you. Huh. Yeah, man, that's wild. That's a good way to break that down, too. So love it, dude. I mean, that's that's fascinating stuff. I'm glad that we went down that road for sure. And I think it's it sets this up pretty damn well, too. So, you know, with Thor. How how does the the Gnostic principles and everything fit into this first one that you wanted to mention in this uh what'd you call it? MCU? Is that what it is? Yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Are we gonna use some big, like nice terms like that throughout this? Like the the I because dude, I'm not I do not know anything <laughs> about the MCU. I'll say that right now. Um, maybe we might. I I haven't planned any big words Okay. But we'll I, got, I don't happens. gotta get my thesaurus out. <laughs> not yet. Okay. I think the source is a big is a word. bigger word than Marvel <laughs> Cinematic and Universe. But uh, you know what? I'm just saying, like the terms, like like all these terms that that like uh, you know all the abbreviations, like the BIPOC uh, and like the LGBT and all these different initials, <laughs> where it's T. like jargon relating uh-huh. to a certain field. That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Are we going to get into some jargon? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, there might be a little bit, but it's definitely not steeped in, in hard to understand jargon. I don't think. If I feel like it's hard for me to understand, I will just ask. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, because sure. I'm stupid. So, <laughs> so Thor, I think, is makes one of the easiest cases for this. Okay. So, some of the messaging is a little bit more difficult to see. Thor, it's just right out in the open. So you have uh, Thor, who is our Satan archetype, right? Okay. Because it, it follows him. He's the main character. He's the protagonist. And if <clears throat> if he's the... Um... Can we can we back up a second? Sure. Just for people who may be new to this, explain why Thor is the Satan archetype. Yeah, please. Because they, they show him as the, as the good guy, which again, this right. is the so idea he's... where Satan is the good guy in their world. Right. So Thor is the the hero of the story, but what happens in this first movie is he goes against the the um, command of his king, and Odin. He starts, Odin, yes, which is his father. But so he goes against his orders, starts a war that was never intended to begin, and then because of this, he gets stripped of his power and he gets cast out of Asgard, which is like the the he- it even looks like heaven. Oh, dude, okay. it's called the the realm eternal. So he gets cast out of. Um, Asgard, and he has to prove himself on Earth, and by doing this, he ends up meeting Jane Foster, who's a female, and he teams up with the the humans in order to fight his brother Loki, who took the throne because something happened to Odin. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he has to fight the Christ archetype because Odin has to go in the Odin sleep. And a lot of times in this messaging you'll see that God is kind of the God, the father archetype, the divine father is kind of seen as ineffectual that he kind of just starts all the things moving and then takes his hands off of it. So that's what happens in this Odin casts, uh, 
Thor. So you have the divine father casting Satan down to earth. And then he's got to take a nap. (laughs) I'm downplaying it a little bit, but he sleeps. And then because of that, Loki then gets to take the throne, which is uh, Thor's brother. And he wants to maintain that position on the throne and sends um, what's called the destroyer down to earth to kill Loki and destroy everything or or to, to, to kill Thor and destroy everything. Wow. So that's a basic plot, but I actually have a clip. If I can, if we can play that for you. Yeah. Do you want me to let you screen share? Uh, No, it's just an audio clip. Oh, okay. Yeah, please. So it's, it's the moment where Thor just started the war uh, that his father told him not to. Right. And then this is the conversation between, between Anthony Hopkins who plays Odin, who's the, the divine father figure. And if you imagine Thor played by Chris Hemsworth, he's Satan. So imagine when you hear this conversation that it's Satan arguing with, with God in the moment that he gets thrown out of heaven. Why did you bring us back? Realize what you've done, what you've started. I was protecting my home. You cannot even protect your friends. How can you hope to protect the kingdom? Get the healing room. No. There won't be a kingdom to protect if you're afraid to act. The Jotuns must learn to fear me, just as they once feared you. That's pride and vanity talking, not leadership. You've forgotten everything I taught you. But a warrior's patience. While you wait and be patient, the Nine Realms laugh at us. The old ways are done, you'd stand giving speeches while Asgard falls. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy! And you are an old man and a fool! was a fool to think you were ready father hey! Thor Odin's son you have betrayed the express command of your king through your arrogance and stupidity you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war You are unworthy of these realms, unworthy of your title! You're unworthy of the loved ones you have betrayed. Now take from you your power in the name of my father and his father before. I owe it all, father. Cut you off! Yeah. So that's how Thor gets gets thrown down because of pride and vanity. He gets thrown out of heaven, just like Satan. And what you can't see is uh, there's a moment where Loki tries to like intervene. I'd be like, hey, but, and then uh, Odin growls at him, right? It was that growl you heard. He's like, <laughs> It's interesting that this amount of detail is put in because there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus is telling his disciples to not boast. He's like, you might be able to boast in those things. I think they were able to do some miracles or something. Yeah. And uh, Jesus is like, I actually saw Satan get thrown from heaven in a bolt of lightning. And that's just what this looks like in this movie. 
Yeah, dude, it is broken down really well there. And and the, just the way too, just to back up, the way that that you see these connections in in the plot of Thor is very obvious once you say it, right? So, and yeah. then he's sitting there and he's listing. I think he listed like three or four of the deadly sins Odin did to uh to Thor. What does Loki represent in this? Is he Jesus or is that yeah, Loki would be the the divine Jesus archetype because it says even now that that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. You know, so he's sitting on his Father's throne. That's exactly what happens because Odin has to go to sleep. The only one left to sit on the throne is Loki. So that's Christ sitting on his Father's throne until he he comes back to destroy the planet for being, uh, or before he comes back to actually rule for a millennia. But it depends on your your view at the end times but yeah that's that's very interesting because they show they kind of portray him to like the the casual observer as like pan like the god of mischief right uh, or this mm-hmm. mischievous creature i should say right. um wild so so that he would represent jesus in this story that's crazy to me that's really interesting though yeah it, it's even even uh the the end battle <clears throat> is a little bit more specific because Thor ends up getting hit in the head like Loki. So the Christ archetype sends the destroyer down to destroy Satan. And he takes a blow to the head and it mm. looks like it kills him. That's the Antichrist then. Right. Because it says, you know, the beast will have a mortal wound to the head and then he'll he'll uh, get resurrected from it. And then that will cause men to follow him. So when when he dies, when Thor, the Satan archetype, fights against the destroyer it looks like he dies and it's that's the moment that he becomes worthy his hammer comes back to him he gets powered up destroys the destroyer and then you get shield and you get all the humans of the town now rallying behind him because he's saved the day wow wow dude that's yeah. only one movie <laughs> that's yeah, only one huh yeah that's only yeah. one damn and just in case anyone thinks that we're you know, uh, straining at gnats here, and, and we're kind of making it up. Have you heard of, <clears throat> excuse me, have you heard of Screen Crush? No. It's a YouTube channel, Screen Crush? No, sir. Uh, his, uh, the the main guy on there, is, his name is Ryan Airy. And he makes us look like troglodytes, the way that he breaks whoa, this Whoa, thing whoa, down. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Maverick, sure. include you, leave Goose out of it. Okay. <laughs> But no, like the amount of detail that he breaks down. So just as an example, he does this one video where he breaks down just a vision. So it's like a 30 second clip of the uh, the Age of Ultron movie where the um, Ultron is having this this vision like he's coming. He's the AI is becoming self-aware or whatever. And he breaks down the idea of uh, peace in our time, which is a motif that shows up in that movie. And that actually comes from uh, Neville Chamberlain. Uh, when he signed a, the Munich agreement with the Nazis, he was like, well, why are you doing this? Well, peace in our time. Well, any agreement with the Nazis usually isn't going to end up in peace. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So Tony Stark uses that phrase and he uses it as um, like a parody of it. But Ultron learns it and uh, applies that to his integrated um, <clears throat> integrated um, uh, artificial intelligence processing. And then they see the the peace sign, which Tony uses, and that that always follows uh, wartime victory. So it's not really a sign of peace. It's a sign of victory. And uh, then like all of the mistakes that Avengers have made in the in the past several movies. This dude picks all of that out from like a 20 to 30 second clip. And see, it's like it's a what you got to take away from this if you haven't seen it. 
this is a, a visual montage while they're talking. But the visuals are what's so important because you see them flashing certain things, certain parts of history. It's supposed to be that this artificial intelligence, which is Ultron, is going through the Internet and learning about human history, right? So he's pulling up these various things. Think of them like uh, Wikipedia articles or moments in history that are stored online. And he's flashing through that at mm. neck break speed, right? Light speed. And he's going through all of these things. They're, they're showing these visually as the viewer sees them, but they don't mean that much to the viewer. Yeah, yeah. Right? You just, you kind of see some stuff and you get the overall idea. Okay, he's going through history. I mean, I see things that I don't really know. I don't know this whole piece in our time thing. Uh, it's just two people, you know, shaking hands or whatever. You see the peace sign. You see some other symbols. What's lost is the reality that the occult communicates through symbols and visual signs. That it's like their language. Oh, wow. And so even in this, it's not that it's so much an occult montage. It, what it is, though, is a montage that's communicating two or three degrees deeper than just what you're seeing. So there are dimensional, complex ideas that are being presented to the viewer. And huh. Screen Rush breaks it down on a level where I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yo, I've seen this movie. I, I've seen the scene. I know it. There is no way this much depth is really in a 30 second montage. Yep. Because then you got to take a step mm-hmm. back and go, who greenlit this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is accidental. So a director had to know, put this piece in there, storyboard this whole thing. Because you got to send it off to the visual artist to make this, you know, visually exciting. This all got storyboarded, which means whoever wrote this script understood what they were communicating to the degree that somebody can do a YouTube video and break this down over what was it like 12, 12 minutes? I think so. 12 for minutes. A 30 second clip. Yep. That's how dense the messaging was in that just that small iota. Mm. You, you have to justify that. You got to go to Marvel, which is owned by Disney, and you got to say, hey, why did we spend a hundred thousand dollars on this part of the budget? <laughs> Right. I mean, for a visual montage, we couldn't spend it somewhere else. This is critical. It had me thinking, if you put this much effort into that, what are you doing with the rest of your film? Yeah. Well, it's it's Kevin Jeez. Feige, right? Is that how you pronounce his last name? I believe name? so, yeah. The yeah. head of Marvel. So he's created the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I actually have a quote from him. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, we put things in. You call them Easter eggs. You can call them hidden gems. There's a lot in there and not just within each movie. It's connective tissue between all the movies. So there are things coming up. There are things in this movie that tie back to 10 movies ago and that you'll only be able to get them if you're tracking them very closely. So they are intentional. So when we pick out, like, like I said, that Loki was standing there to watch Thor get thrown out of heaven to represent Jesus watching Satan get thrown out of heaven. Those aren't accidental things. They're very methodical about what they put in these movies. And there's a reason that they they line up like this. See, and for the person who knows a little bit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of the things I found so interesting is that over, what is it, 22, 23 films? Something like that. They all seem to have a consistent visual language. What do you mean by that? Well, they look this, they look the same. They they don't vary a lot in their um like the filters you things like that. Not just the filters, the way they're shot. 
Like sometimes if you've ever looked at different movies, you can kind of tell a director's fingerprint on the movie. Sure, sure, sure. No, like say Top Gun for a minute. That was done by Tony Scott. He uses a lot of orange filters and things, so it kind of gives it that iconic glow. Okay. So you'll notice when you, you see that, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of like a Tony Scott film. Or Michael Bay, he uses a lot of 360 reveals of his main character. Like if you remember in Bad Boys when Will Smith was chasing after the uh, the the cab and he finally missed it and him and Martin stand up and he does a 360 view around Will Smith. Like that's a that's a Michael Bay thing. Okay. So if you've seen some of these films, you start to kind of see the fingerprints of different directors. It's crazy that Marvel films all look like Marvel films, but they have several different directors. And it wasn't until recently I found out how they do that. Like, how is it that you can have all these different guys shooting these films, but they all look consistent? And the reason is they storyboard it and they get their shots prior to actually going out and filming it. But they do what they call pre-visualization. So they'll shoot it virtually in a computer. They'll get their their angling. They'll get their blocking, all of this stuff so that it looks consistent. So back to what Christopher's saying, if you have Loki standing somewhere, that wasn't accidental. That was already pre-blocked in the storyboarding. The storyboarding is where you, for those who don't know, it's where you have a frame and they draw in what things they want to see and what angles. So it gives a visual story on a board of how this movie should play out shot by shot. And then they go and they replicate it. That way you save money. You're not trying to figure this out on the fly. So they get every shot pre-done. So they basically have got the movie pretty much good to go before they start spending the big bucks, bringing the actors in and doing all of your visual effects and, and CGI and all that type of stuff. So when you're positioning a character somewhere in a scene and it has thematic and plot significance, that's not accidental. That's yeah. Damn dude. Yeah. That is wild. It, it's crazy to think just that. I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars are put into small scenes like this that seem pointless? Right. Um, yeah, there's a purpose to all of it. It seems like that's that's wild, dude. Good yeah. shit. Jeez. And so, so next we'll do the the first Avengers movie. Yeah, okay. So that's where you have the all these different heroes that have showed up in this phase one. So you have, uh, I think, um, who is it? Or Captain America, right? Iron Man, oh. uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye, the Hulk. Uh, Agent Coulson and Nick Fury. Like they all show up in movies before this. Hey, Christopher, how are you going to let that slide, man? What? Ryan said he didn't know nothing about the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. He just rolled off like three or four movies. No, hey, I've seen them. I, I knew something was coming from that when I saw your face, Jason. No, I, I, I've i seen some of them. I just don't know. I mean, clearly you guys are. on this, man. He's lowballing. He knows about this. I know. I got, well, I mean, I, behind this brick wall, I got a bunch of comic books as a wallpaper. But, oh, you know, found them from a swap meet, you know, and just cut cut pages out of them. So I like okay. them, you know, but I, I just don't know. I mean, to this depth, not even close. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So here we have. That's funny. That, <laughs> here we have Loki is again the villain, but he fulfills that that divine Christ archetype. So he ends up, uh, he gets power. He gets the uh, the scepter from this this God that doesn't really show up. Like, I don't think we know that it's Thanos at this time, but there's this, this um, source of power that Loki talks to and he gets this scepter. And then he comes to earth to subjugate the planet. 
because he thinks there's something wrong with humanity, that freedom is really detrimental, that it's, it's his rightful place to rule and humanity's rightful place to be subjugated under his power. And he has all kinds of phrasing in this movie that sound just like Christ. And uh, I think we have a, a clip for this. We'll play this and then we'll talk about the, the clip again. Okay, and this is Loki talking? Yeah, this is Loki. I am Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. Loki, brother of Thor. We have no quarrel with your people. An ant has no quarrel with a boot. You planning to step on us? I come with glad tidings of a world made free. Kneel before me. I said... not this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. Please tell me you're going to appeal to my humanity. Uh, actually, I'm planning to threaten you. <laughs> you should have left your armor on for that. Yeah. When they come, and they will, they'll come for you. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Oh, I thought the beast had wandered off. You're missing the point. There's no throne. There is no version of this where you come out on top. Enough! You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by that. Puny god. Is that where the Hulk just ragdolls him? Yes. yes. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, so there's a there's a lot in there. So when he's yeah. the 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 very first uh portion of this stuck out to me because you were talking to some guys on Monday Night Master Debaters, and uh I think they were agnostics, but they were talking about the idea that you know an ant has no ability to conceptualize the existence of a of a man, mm -hmm. you know, so that that ant man uh god human. Uh, paradigm so it's really interesting that loki shows up and nick fury is like we don't have any quarrel with your people and he's like does an ant have any quarrel with a boot mm -hmm. so he's using that that same idea still in this to put himself in that idea of of a, of a god beyond just being from asgard in the marvel Cin cinematic universe but communicating to the viewers that he is a stand-in for christ and he's the bad guy you know when wow. he's yelling at everybody to kneel He's like, you were made to be subjugated. Well, how would he know that? Well, because he's Christ. And even the statement, in the end, you all kneel, there's a scripture that says, in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So he's using phrases that, in the Bible, Jesus Christ uses. 
that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's nuts. Like once you see it, it makes it hard to not see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and just knowing how evil Disney is too, man. Like I keep I mean, there's so many thoughts going through my head. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. What I mean, what were you thinking? No, just I mean, like that was it. I mean, just how how crazy evil Disney has been since its okay. inception and the stuff that you know them them meticulously trying to portray jesus as this evil entity i mean loki is is evil considered to be by people like me that you know casual observers of the of the uh mcu right yeah. Yeah, so for sure. i mean it's i don't know is there a deeper meaning to loki in that universe is he actually like a, an undercover good guy um because i know he's kind of he's kind of difficult to understand he's like a mischievous dude he is. He's probably more like an anti-hero, you know, if you're just taking it in the, in the grand of that of things. Yeah. Okay. Another thing to to note though is in each of these movies, the paradigm kind of resets. So we did we did Thor and we did Avengers, and in both of these, Loki is the Christ character, the the divine Christ. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it is for the rest of the movies. Okay. Like you kind of have to reset the 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 game table it for each movie. Oh Again. sure, I, I I assumed so. Okay, yeah. that's good that you clarified it though for people. Yeah, yeah man. Loki, that... Loki helps sometimes, and sometimes he's just a pain. Like he just he does play that middle ground throughout the the movies and the series. What's interesting though is from a visual perspective, Loki looks like Pan, right? Because yeah, he's yeah. got the big like horns, the traditional and... Satan caricature, right? And so if your mind jumps to that, the way Loki is portrayed by Tom Hiddleston, he's the sympathetic villain. Like mm-hmm. He's not that bad. He does help out at times. Yeah, he might have a slight bent to him or a lookout for himself. But overall, you empathize or sympathize sorry, with him. Right. We just don't like him when he's behaving like the Christ archetype. Right. Well, I mean, sure. most of the time you want to be like, Loki, come on, just get together, dude. If, if you <laughs> stop screwing up, we really would like you. You're <laughs> loads of fun. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you'd be fun to hang out with. Yeah, have a beer with him. Right. Dude. You just have this slight bend to you. There's this, uh, you know, I did a Krampus episode with a buddy a while ago for Christmas, of course. It's like the most hack thing to do on Christmas now. But we <laughs> did it before it was that hacky. And um, there's kind of this weird correlation between Santa Claus and Krampus. Obviously, Santa Claus being the good guy, Krampus being the, the bad guy of Thor and Odin together. And then also Loki being Krampus with the horns. I mean, even the damn colors are the same. You have red and green with Thor. Mm-hmm. And Loki versus like, so it was just kind of an interesting and obviously Christmas is kind of a pagan idea. Right. Um, and and were, were you aware that the, the some of the imagery about Santa Claus was based off of Odin? Yeah, yeah. Like the reindeer sleigh with the chariot of horses and all that stuff. And there's eight reindeer because his horse had eight legs. I did not know that. Yeah. And they even show that in the Thor movie when Odin shows up to save Thor from or to try to stop Thor from starting that war. He his horse rail uh rears up and he's got four legs on the shut on his up. front. Is that why he looked like an ant? Yeah. Like it, his little legs are moving like this when he uh-huh. Now I gotta go watch it. It's that not scene. just light trickery <laughs> because Odin's horse has four legs in the front and four legs in the back, and that's why there's eight reindeer pulling Santa's sled. Wow. Is yeah. there eight or nine with Rudolph? Well, if you count Rudolph, but he's okay. Rudolph actually doesn't seem to show up much when when you're looking at traditional Santa. Yeah, yeah. You only use them when it's foggy. Duh. That's true. It's not foggy every <laughs> Christmas. Collision light that the FAA requires for <laughs> anything flying above two thousand feet. Santa's just trying to stay safe. <laughs> right. Deliver me my goodies. 
safety first and teamwork you know that's right <laughs> that's that's wild stuff dude so i mean we're two for two on this i that's both of them are very clear to me after you break it down like that i have a couple more because the end of this clip it's interesting tony stark says that um there, you know there's no scenario there's no throne in which you end up on top yes yeah and that phrasing is specific because one of the i wills of satan is to elevate his throne to that of god so the fact that he's like you're not going to end up on top not that you're not going to be victorious not that you're not going to win not that you can't have the planet none of those things there's no throne that you end up on top i think the language is specific and then again we reference the uh the hulk because loki's like i have an army and Tony is like, well, we have a Hulk. And he's like, well, I wondered where the beast walked off to. If you reference again, the beast of revelation. Wow. And, and, and even the Hulk has this, this moment where in that movie that you wonder if he dies. Cause he like falls out of the, the helipad or whatever. And then he shows up later alive. It's, it's pretty interesting. So with Loki being the Jesus, the, the what do you call it? The divine Christ? Yeah. Divine Christ archetype. Okay. So the divine Christ archetype. Him saying that, you know, we have an army. That would be like the archangels. Right. And then Satan. You know, when Jesus comes back, he will come with an army. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So then, um, you know, uh, the other side here, um, which was Tony Stark in this one, right? Mm -hmm. He's, in this case, he's representing the Satan archetype. Well, it's a little bit harder to pin down in the Avengers movies because you have the Avengers themselves, like the, the group of, of Avengers tend to fulfill that Satan archetype. Cause you have the oh, as a whole, as a whole. So you have the, the alcoholic in Tony Stark, you have the, um, the rage for the Hulk. You have, um, let's see what else is there. So you have like gluttony. <clears throat> maybe. Gluttony. Yeah. Well, Thor ends up being gluttonous, but that's, that's not until later. It's, it's interesting to me too that the whole thing that brings all of these pieces together to wage war against Loki is deception. Now it's easy to miss because none of them want to work together. They're all independent. You know, they're not this great team of, of heroes in this movie. They all have their, their own hiccups, but instead of like dynamic characters that change and get better and realize there's, you know, growth that happens, they end up lying about the way that agent Coulson dies. And they put his blood on the Captain America cards. And they're like, well, he still had hope. And Nick Fury lays the cards down covered in Coulson's blood that he didn't even have on him when he died. It's all a lie to coerce everyone to come together. But hey, these are our heroes. It's okay. You know, Nick Fury lies. Uh, it's just they're steeped in deception and lies and, and alcoholism and rage. But hey, these are the heroes. These are the people that we want to be like. It's That's not good. Like, it's terrible. It's wild though. The symbol. I mean, you gotta, you gotta take your hats off for the symbolism that these assholes put in these things. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing how well they put these together for sure. Jeez. And, and to do it in such a way that it's, it's not super easy to notice. You know, the casual watcher is not, is not going to pay attention to this. Even I the Chitauri have got embedded meaning with them. The what? The Chitauri. So they they were they were the um we were talking about Avengers and when Loki comes down to try to take over what is this New York? Yes. When he tries to take over, he brings the alien race with him. And they're part of the army that he uses to try to take over. 
But if you look on fandom.com and you look at what Chitari, the, the uh, Chitari actually are, they're supposed to be a, a group that acts as like the immune system of the universe, wiping out disorder and free will wherever they find it. And they like to actually work behind the scenes, mimicking it and influencing the social military methods of a species that they're currently infiltrating. It's like a Fabian style of infiltration. Yeah, they're considered a shape-shifting race of alien beings. <laughs> That's whoa, 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 say what? <laughs> you telling me we got some dragon people going on working underneath in the dumbs, trying to help out the military, taking over a society? Nah, Marvel ain't trying to tell me that. <laughs> Dude. No, Damn. no, they just called these people a Chitari because they like Atari and they like Chicago and they was putting it together. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that is. Y'all reading way too deep into this. Well, could Chitari mean something to the to the uh like more educated in, in this whole thing? Like maybe someone that's more esoterically minded or whatever. Does Chitari ring any bells to you guys or no? Not to me. Like I haven't heard that anywhere else. Or no, anything it could be playing off of? Nothing? Nothing that comes to mind immediately. Uh-uh. Hmm. But it's something that I would keep in my back pocket as I continue to learn and do research. Absolutely. If that name comes back up. Anyone listening, if if Chitari, Chitari jumps out to you, um, I almost forgot it, but then I remembered Chicago and Atari. So that's a great way. <laughs> like you, I'm yeah. a visual learner, kind of, right? That's not very visual, but yeah, dude. I mean, that is... I want uh, pizza and I want to play some games. I don't know why. <laughs> Anyone out there that knows something about Chitari, if that rings a bell... I say, uh, please fire away. Let me know. Mm-hmm. That is wild. Okay. Another great observation, dude, for sure. Where are we going next? Are we, are we, do we got more with this one? Uh, no, I think we're done with that one. Okay. I like There's the a- idea, too, that you touched on, Christopher, with them um, all kind of being different uh, embodiments of this. How many basic adventures are there other than the four? Is there seven? Um, I'm not sure. So I'm wondering if they're potentially playing off like the the seven kings of uh, hell or whatever they call it. Maybe in the first one, because you've got Nick Fury and Thor, Hulk, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Captain America, and Iron Man. That'd be seven. Okay. I wonder if that's got What? Right? Say it? No, I thought there were six. Nick Fury, Thor. Yeah, I don't know if you consider Nick Fury an Avenger, though. I mean, he's over S.H.I.E.L.D., but I think like if you look at the classic Avenger... Uh, visual where they're in a circle. Nick Fury's not there. All right, that's fair. We should put him down at six. Well, okay. six is still no good, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Wild. I mean, yeah, I know. I like how they also represent the aspects of the the new world agenda. How is this? Agenda. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> well, you you've got Tony Stark who represents salvation through technology. Okay. All right, so that's his basic superpower. He he's the techno freak. Yeah, that's and, a ringer for sure. Elon Musk right. type, right? Yeah, right. Yep, he's constantly sure. improving through technology, and that'll be man's salvation. Uh, then you've got uh, the Hulk, which represents transhumanism. Okay, I mean, he's a blending of technology, but also, well, let me take that back. Hulk wouldn't be so much transhumanism. It'd be emotionalism. Yeah. Because but, only through embracing his anger and rage does he somehow have no, a superpower. But, but Hulk is the embracing of the dark, the dark side, embracing an actual demon or another entity. 
Well, it would okay. be transhumanism too, is I think because of the he can't die, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea of transhumanism too. You can't die. It's a very basic. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, uh, but I would say Captain America probably is more so the more iconic transhumanism because he was enhanced. Sure, there you go. Okay, then what would Hulk be? I would say Hulk is actually learning to embrace the inner demon because it's a total separate personality that empowers him, makes him stronger, gives him super strength, but it is different from from Bruce Banner. That actually makes a lot of sense because yeah. in the movie, he refers to the Hulk as the other guy. Right. Not another side of him, the other guy. And you see that messaging constantly embrace your inner monster. You know, whether it's Rihanna and Eminem talking about the monster yeah. or you've got the Red Panda that just came out with Disney. The okay, I haven't seen that. The panda. Yeah, this uh-huh. girl is constantly turning to a red panda, but it represents their ancestral line of uh, their, her ancestors and their spirits. Okay. That are basically inside of her, the spirit panda, all of that type of stuff. Wow. But again, it's, it's a message that comes up. You've got Black Widow, which represents feminism. Okay. That whole takeover. Um, Hawkeye, I, I don't want to make up something for Hawkeye because I don't really see anything. <laughs> he, okay. Hawkeye's your, yeah, Hawkeye's pretty much your standard standard guy um and then of course you've got thor which represents the god guy huh so he's the spiritual guy Hmm. very interesting all of these are all part of the the new world agenda yeah that's a good connection what leads to the salvation of of mankind because if you flash forward to the very end of this saga in phase three all of these groups fight together right and if you you kind of go ahead I was just going to say, if you remember that episode of Monday Night Master Debaters, when you were talking about the ant analogy, yeah, they, you guys also talked about the idea that, oh, if we have enough ants, enough ants could kill a human. Yes. So that, that Satan joining forces with all of these different elements of humanity, transhumanism, spirituality, all of that, the idea is, hey, we can get over on the God that created us. We just have to work together. And when you fast forward to the end of phase three, which we'll get there in a minute. You'd be surprised what you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost, it's so blatant. You're like, you've got to be kidding me. Damn, dude. Yeah, like, I am. The Bible should have a legal team that just does <laughs> with copyright infringement. The Bible? Yeah. yeah, no kidding, dude. Yeah. But I will say that it is a distortion. Like, <laughs> we didn't take your idea. We twisted it. So it's now our unique idea. Yeah, you change it 30%, right? 36% right, right, or something. Right. You just need a little knockoff there. Well, I was just saying for the for the listener that doesn't know, like people are like, oh, you need to find Jesus. No, he's like Loki, and I don't want nothing to do with it. That's it's a distortion Absolutely. of what the Bible actually you, you says. You just made the Marvel universe Apple. <laughs> you know dark sky we'll just we'll we'll put that we got a better weather app nobody has done this weather app like we have That's it's not well, dark sky it's different it's 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 you know dim sky <laughs> what you're talking about chris that these levels of the the deception the mm-hmm. freemasons pride themselves in this this as well right like where a symbol they you said it earlier i think it was you it was either you or jason that said this earlier that they communicate through symbols that, you know, this quick montage of all these flashes and lights and stuff. You see the symbols going through there. They communicate this way. The Masons, you know, low level Masons will see a difference. You know, they'll put a different meaning behind a certain symbol. Let's say, let's take the uh, Solomon seal, the seal of Solomon, right? The six pointed star. They'll see it one way versus like how, you know, the uninitiated would. And then mm-hmm. high level Masons see it at a different level as well. 
So there is levels to the deception. And I think that that's the same thing with, with these movies where, you know, if you can pick up on the stuff that you're laying down here, then someone that's uneducated, but a little more educated than the average person might say, well, I don't want to be like Jesus because he's like Loki. But then once you get above that, it seems like, you know, you can you can get yourself a little closer to finding some truth. Yeah, it's in this interesting you, you say that with the Masons, uh, Manly P. Hall actually made a very, very astute statement uh, when he said that the rise of the Christian church broke up the intellectual pattern of the classic pagan world. And by persecution of, of the pattern's ideologies, it drove the secret societies into greater secrecy. The pagan intellectuals then reclothed their original ideas and garments of Christian phraseology, but bestowed the keys of the symbolisms only upon those duly initiated and bound to secrecy by their vows. Yes, that's 33 degree Freemason. So essentially what he's saying is that the reason they have to use taciturn language, they have to use this this symbolism and then give the keys to that to the initiated is because the church was so powerful and squashing that crap out. And they were like, yo, we uh, we got to have a response plan to this because they're they're a little too successful. Yeah. Which is now why you see the visuals being communicated, but the interpretation not being given. So most of us don't know what we are feeding ourselves. Huh? Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy when you put it like that, man. This is wild stuff. I'm truly fascinated by this, man. So yeah, next up we have Avengers Age of Ultron. So this is like we were talking about Screen Crush and Ryan Airy breaks down that the vision that Ultron has. Uh this this is the 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 movie that it comes from. And what happens is Tony Stark is still upset or still thinks that he's got to do something to help save the planet. And if anything, I think Tony kind of fits the the God archetype in this one because he almost does nothing. Like he just has this idea. He wants to create Ultron, but Ultron just kind of accidentally gets created anyway. It's weird. You'll have to watch it because they use an infinity stone and that's part of what makes uh, Ultron come to life. Okay. And uh Ultron he he gains consciousness and then he decides that well the original plan of uh you know peace in our time is not going to work. I actually have to destroy the Avengers. So then he starts rebuilding himself and building an army to war against the Avengers and really bring judgment to the entire planet eventually as his programming keeps changes keeps changing but we have a clip and then i'll talk about it after how could you be worthy you're all killers i'm on mission what mission peace in our time i'm sorry i know you mean well you just didn't think it through you want to protect the world but you don't want it to change how is humanity saved if it's not allowed to Evolve. There's only one path to peace. This church is in the exact center of the city. The elders decreed it so that everyone could be equally close to God. I like that. The geometry of belief. I have what the Avengers never will. Harmony. They're discordant. Disconnected. Stark's already got them turning on each other. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And you're not going anywhere. Of course not. I'm already there. You'll catch on. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? 
as Noah. There were more than a dozen extinction-level events before even the dinosaurs got theirs. When the Earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it. And believe me, he's winding up. I was meant to be new. I was meant to be beautiful. The world would have looked to the sky and seen hope, seen mercy. Instead, they'll look up in horror because of you. Come to confess your sins. This is exactly what I wanted. All of you against all of me. How can you possibly hope to stop me? Stark asked for a savior and settled for a slave. I suppose we are both disappointments. <laughs> I suppose we are. So this is crazy because I think more than any other villain, Ultron actually uses uh, quotes from Christ in this. Like, on this rock, I will build my church. That's dirty. Like he's talking about establishing his, his empire. Uh, the last battle takes place in a church. The uh, when he first meets Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, they're in a church. That's when he's talking about, you know, this church was put in the exact center of town, so everyone could be equally close to God. It, it, it's crazy. He's uh, yeah, he was talking about the geometry of belief, right? So, like I said, a pretty damn interesting episode here. Get over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast to get the rest of it with Operation Red Pill. They continue to list multiple examples of Gnostic principles within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Awesome job, guys. Really, really appreciative of all their work. And the clips made it really cool. So, head over there. Thank you for the support. And make sure you support Operation Red Pill.